All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. Jacob Brown with CJ Yuri. This is the first breakdown pod of the season. We didn't get to do weeks one and two, but we're here for week three. Going to preview week four as well. Uh, what a crazy first few weeks in the NFL, college football as well. Uh, we've had the Backyard Bets podcast where we've been keeping up with the league, Tyler and I, where we'll make our weekly bets uh, and, and, you know, obviously talk about what the way that the leagues are going and that obviously has to impact your picks. But I keep saying on that show, we haven't been able to go long form and in-depth about some of the things that have been going on. I'm just itching to get back in there about some of this stuff, including, CJ, your Miami Dolphins. Uh, and I listen, if people have been listening to this podcast for years, you are probably laughing at me right now because I've been, you know, I mean, I'll come on here. I'll play it coy and be like, oh, I'm 50-50 on Tua. I don't know if I like him yet. I need to see more. And, you know, I'll admit, every time I see something bad, I'll pop on it. Uh, and, and you know, in terms of the things that are good that he does, I don't really point it out a lot, but it's not like I saw what I saw this week before this week. Um, but that second half this week, unreal. You cannot say anything bad about it. And, CJ, uh, yeah, you, you were feeling pretty good on Sunday. Dude, yeah, I mean, look, Sunday was so so by the way, I think you were saying at the beginning of the pod that we missed the first two weeks, but we missed the first two weeks of college football. Right. That's I think we're I think. on week two NFL. Okay, just yes. making sure. Yeah, but we're 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 three weeks into big time football, put it that way. Um yeah, so Sunday was a roller coaster of emotions. First of all, Sunday took Sunday ticket took a massive dump, and that was all over Twitter. Twitter. I had to find the damn game on an illegal stream. And thank God I did that. I, I was able to get that. But yeah, no, first half, I didn't even think he played bad. He had a really good drive where he won five for five and immediately answered the Ravens' uh, you know, kickoff return, uh, which you just never want to start a game like that. That's not to his fault. He's a damn quarterback. He can't <laughs> he starts the game off in the off and Lamar hasn't even neither offense has gotten on the field and you start the game off set down seven zero. That's already a ton of adversity in game. Like that is no fun. You know, Tua comes on five for five on drive and they score a touchdown and they struggled to really run the ball on, on Sunday. I found very, very early that the only times that we're ever going to get anything in the running game going is if you're able to just get like four or five yards on the ground. I mean, you know, it was really until like the fourth quarter that that I saw a running back, you know, Chase Edmonds hit a hole and go for for, you know, 10 plus. I mean, he went for like 30 yards, which was a huge play. But, yeah. dude, I, I think something that people are just the thing that's really funny, funny to me about two haters or just people that don't believe in the guy. Right. If you just sit there and you're like, look, I just he's just not the guy from my team. I wouldn't I just wouldn't prefer him on my team. I'd, I'd rather, you know, wait for a different prospect. I'd rather wait with somebody for somebody who has more of a cannon of an arm. That's fine. But to sit here and tell me that the guy sucks is just insanely false. He's like 17 and eight or 16 and eight as a starter. Now, I don't remember what Sunday made him if it was 16 or 17, but let's just say 16 and eight, 17 and eight. Right. You don't get to that record. In the in the NFL, in the NFL, if you are a bad quarterback, right? And I am not counting any of the games that Fitz came in and relieved him and won. I'm not counting that Raiders game during the COVID year. I'm not counting any game that you know 
Brissett or Fitz or whoever relieved him of his duties. He is literally 16 and 17 and eight as a damn starter. You have to be good at your job as a quarterback. That is, that is not a position that you can just suck ass all game and then, you know, end up with a win. Like you have to be doing good things. Right. So I guess I'll, I'll start with that. That fourth quarter, which I've never doubted to in the fourth quarter, Tua's fourth quarter stats are his best stats. Okay. I always feel like Tua, for the most part, comes out strong. And then in the second and the third quarter, he fizzles a little bit. And then the fourth quarter comes around, and then you're like, oh, wait, this is an even better first quarter. It's a little bit weird, but that's just kind of how it goes. Right. But every quarter, it was one, the first, the third, and the fourth quarter that he was literally spot on, barely missed a throw. It was that second quarter where he threw that interception at before the halftime, forcing the ball downfield. And I like him forcing the ball downfield. Yeah, just we talked right about that. Him. Yeah, exactly. It's like in the Patriots game, there were like three opportunities for those deep balls. Uh, and two had decided that he was going to check down or throw the screen. And, and you know, we we beat the Pats easily it wasn't even a game and two or three for 270 yards but i'm sitting there i'm like he left like two touchdowns out on the field but this game man i I, you just when i saw him come out at halftime and i said to my friends like everybody was dogging to on twitter you guys were dogging to in the group chat i was just depressed i'm like oh my god man like the media their whole week is gonna suck this is gonna be terrible then we have to play the bills on sunday oh man and i said to my friends that dude as long as he hits one tyreek deep ball i do not care just give me at least one of those and then people can get off him about the deep ball not only did he hit two deep balls he threw for freaking 469 yards six touchdowns in baltimore and led one of the craziest comebacks i've ever seen in nfl history and the guy was pinpoint on on par his arm never failed he hit both deep balls to Tyreek who is insanely hard to hit a damn deep ball I don't care if you're Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback in game you have to hit him stride for stride and make sure it's not well behind when he's running at the speed of freaking lightning he got both to him he fed Jalen Waddle both receivers had career days basically I seriously Jacob I am I I'm I'm sorry, but the one thing that Tua absolutely is is he's a winner and he's a gamer. Okay, he is a guy that is going to be a tough out every week. He doesn't make many mistakes, and if he's feeling it, he's freaking cooking. And he's got chemistry with Waddle and in Hill and Hell. Freaking Gasicki came on that game. This was the confidence booster for Tua that we have we have been yes. waiting for for two years. This was yep. the game where you're like. Okay, that was Bama Tua. We waited two years. That Cardinals game during the COVID year was a glimpse. It was a glimpse, but he was still rehabbing from the hip. This game against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore was vintage Alabama Tua. And if that is the game to push him over the limit and get him back to his old self, I'm sorry, but people have to start respecting him and coaches need to fear him and game plan against him. Because if that's the case, if he's going to freaking go like, like, what was it like? 35 of 50 and throw for 469 six touchdowns and he could do that i'm sorry that puts you in the top 12 top 13 top 14 qbs in the league i'm not putting him in the top 10 i'm not doing that but anybody that's going to sit here and tell me he's better than baker baker mayfield or trevor lawrence is ranked higher than him or freaking jimmy garoppolo i do not care tua is a winner and he showed everybody on sunday 
All right, no, listen, uh, this was the game that he needed to have. If, if you had that set, if the first half had remained true for the whole game and they went into Baltimore and they got crushed, you just said the media would have had a field day for a week. This almost had to happen. Uh, the thing is, is what we were waiting from two, and I, and you you mentioned his fourth quarter stats, and that's great. But what we haven't seen from Tua before that second half is a takeover, takeover mode. And you see Kyler Murray able to do that on multiple occasions. He did it against Vegas last week. Justin Herbert has takeover mode. Patrick Mahal, all these guys, you know, Joe Burrow did it to get to the Super Bowl. The one thing about Tua was always, can he go in and be the guy that you're counting on to win you a game? And that's the first time that, you know, me, per and, and you've seen it before me, because, you know, you've seen more moments more closely, but for me at least, that was the first time where I could go and watch a game and be like, you know what? He's on takeover mode right now and he can't be stopped. That was the first time I thought that with him. And, you know, he didn't look overwhelmed. You know, in that second quarter, not only did he throw the interception, but he did some of the things that the, the characteristics that I haven't liked over the years, which is kind of when he's being swarmed, his head's moving all over the place. And that's why I always mention the group chat sloppy. You know, no, he he definitely panics. He they're, right. they're like as a as a diehard when when the pocket collapses, I feel like he doesn't climb to pocket well. He looks to get out, and right. his getting out and his scurrying and his scrambling is not elite. It's 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 average at best. I he makes a couple. He has a couple moves in his bag where I'm like, oh damn, he pulled that out. He evades the first tackler almost every time, which is a good sign. But yeah, he does point, do anyway, that. continue. No, he's, got, he's got a great turn move when whenever he's got someone coming to him, he's able to turn to the side really well. I told I texted you guys as like, I did not know Tua had that in his bag. That turnaround on that that touchdown to Craycraft, I was like, holy, he, he just he, he evaded the, the D end. And then on top of that, he was he, that evasion gained him like five yards, yeah. like to, to be able to, to then stop and make the throw. Yeah. And, and I think baseline point, though, aside from Tua and everything else is that the Miami Dolphins as a whole, you're going in with a new head coach to start this season with all the weapons that you got in the offseason and to come out as Mike McDaniel and to prove in the first two weeks by beating Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh, you, you could not ask for anything better. This guy came to Miami as an X's and O offensive guru. And, and you always know whatever team hires any of those guys, no matter if it's the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Dolphins, it, whenever those offensive gurus come on there, there's pressure from day one because you want to see the team put up big offensive numbers and you want to go see them win games. They've done that against two top of the line NFL coaches. It almost made me think I want to see him face Mike Tomlin now, Like I, I want to see him do, do X's and O's against these top of the line NFL coaches. And, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, it's just the roster. They got Tyreek. They got Waddle. What about Josh McDaniels in Vegas? They're own two. So it's not that easy. They got Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs. They've got a litany of offensive yeah, players. Yeah, they're in some trouble. Right, now. right. so it, it's not easy j just because you're an offensive coordinator. I mean, Josh McDaniels is a, is a, a decipher of, of uh, Bill Belichick. So when I look at it, this is a very impressive, not just for Tua, but for the team. And, you know, when you look at and not just when you start 2-0, and there's a higher probability to make the playoffs. But when you go 0-2, since even the expanded playoffs in 2020, zero teams have made the playoffs starting 0-2. And, you know, you see Vegas in that predicament now, Tennessee, some other teams. Very important first two weeks in the NFL. But anyway, main point is I'm more impressed with Mike McDaniel than anything.
Well, something that something that I would love to I would love to hear from. I mean, maybe that I, I don't really watch press conferences. I don't really even see. I don't really watch much of like even the Dolphins' like responses to games. Like I didn't even look like go find them for those little press conferences, post game interviews, and whatnot. I, I I just I usually don't seek it out, and I I actually would love to hear like from coaches like Harbaugh and Belichick and whatnot. Like because Belichick has a ones beat to a right two is four zero against Bill Belichick's Patriots right. And he's two is now two and zero against John Harbaugh, right? I would like to just hear from them because you the media tries to tell everybody that two is not special. Two has no special traits. He's a he's accurate quarterback. That's it. No special traits. Okay, but let's hear from the coaches that can't beat him. Is it the fact that Tua doesn't make many mistakes? Is it the fact that Tua can hit that those couple electric plays, and that's all the Dolphins really need to win? Is it that you know? to his play action to you just can't solve I would like to hear from the actual coaches that that clearly can't beat him and he's got another big test this weekend against the Bills we have not been able to solve the Bills since the Josh Allen era Josh Allen's just destroyed us the last three or four years big props I mean Josh Allen's an incredible quarterback he and Mahomes are the leaders for the MVP this year and rightfully so yeah do I believe the Dolphins are a much much tougher test than the Tennessee Titans, absolutely. Absolutely. Dolphins' defense, even though they got torched on Sunday, they're not a defense that is that is particularly good against the run. They're that's just not them. They're a team that hopes that the quarterback throws like 50 times. And because they love like the secondary of Javon Holland and Xavier Howard. And we have linebackers that are pretty decent against the tight end. Let's just be honest from a baseline level to win in the AFC. You have to prepare that way now. Exactly. So Diggs isn't going to run wild. Like, like, like yesterday, like last night, Josh Allen's not going to have some like four or five touchdown game. He, you know, obviously Josh Allen's probably going to go for two or three touchdowns and one or two might go to Diggs, but it's not going to be like, you know, hat trick of touchdowns for the two of them but you know but two it's the I'm, again I, this game is all about Tua. It's, it's really can you build off of that if he comes into this game throws for 300 plus yards and two touchdowns or three touchdowns you're sitting there and you're like okay he's arrived he's here he's he's moving the ball out of east he's scoring against the best teams in the nfl against some of the best coaches i mean let's just say that they beat the bills on sunday you've started off your season beating belichick harbaugh mcdermott yeah, Lamar, Josh Allen, like, dude, that, that, that what, what's showing me, I guess, like to, you know, we don't have to talk about the Dolphins too, too much, but in my opinion, two is a winner. He's a gamer. Okay. He need every quarterback in the NFL. They need weapons. I don't care what you say. Mahomes goes to Kansas city. He inherited weapons. Josh Allen was you know, had one good season prior to Diggs. Diggs comes, and then look at what happens. Josh Allen's top five quarterback in the NFL. Okay, I think Lamar Jackson needs some weapons at receiver. Take some, take some, um, you know, take some load off of him. But he's got the league's best tight end or second best tight end in Mark Mark Andrews. And you know, Justin Herbert's got an incredible, incredible talent over there. You know, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. And then Burrow, look at his receiving core. Chase Higgins, and and he's got Mixon. They got Tyler Boyd. Yeah. yeah. The list goes on, right? These guys right. have weapons. I mean, they all Rick, do. 
Kirk Cousins, goddamn Je- Justin Jefferson, and and Thielen and Dalvin Cook, bro. Like the best teams in the NFL have weapons. And then it's just it it's it was just so unfair to say, well, Tua needs everything perfect. He needs Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, and they just went and signed Chase Edmonds. Oh my God, they're just giving him an even playing field with everybody else. Like the Bills are like, I mean, the Bills, you know, it's it's Diggs, Gabe Davis, and then Motor, right? And then Dawson Knox, but Josh Allen's just really freaking good. But right. the rest of the, yeah, game, the 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 weapons are are the weapons, right? So I guess all all I got to finish on is I think he's arrived. I think people are going to eat their words. And I will say Sean Payton went right on Colin Cowherd's show yesterday and said he was very wrong about Tua and he looked incredible and he apologized. And I'm happy that people are coming out and saying that it was unfair criticism and it was just mean. So that's all. One of the best games, genuinely best Dolphins game of my life, probably one of the best NFL games I've seen ever. That comeback was genuinely, even if you're, if you hate the Dolphins, if you hate the Ravens, you loved it. If you don't care about either team or if you don't even care about the NFL, that was unbelievable entertainment. And it's that type of game that earns the Dolphins more primetime games. And maybe they flex that Dolphins Bills games, Bills game at the end of the year at one o'clock to a primetime yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. See, like, I mean, even this week would have been a great 8 p.m. They've got uh, 49ers Broncos as the Sunday night game this week. So would have been no brainer to do a. Uh, Bills Dolphins in my event. I was thinking maybe they flex the Dolphins Bills up to 425. I mean, the amount of offensive yeah, firepower seriously. in that game, just off of a fantasy perspective, you're gonna have people watching. I mean, Diggs, Hill, Waddle. I mean, yeah. people are probably gonna start starting Tua. Then you have Josh Allen. I mean, if there, Dawson, if there's Dawson, a way Dawson, to these are guys that are rostered in every league. Yeah, I mean the 425s are, are Rams, Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, Packers, uh, Bucks, and then Jags, Chargers at 405, but I mean, you could you could move two of those games out of that four o'clock slot if you really needed to. Is what it is. But like again, it the, the I I find the Dolphins have always had the market. The Miami market is massive. They have a huge Absolutely. following. The fan base is huge. But the problem is the Dolphins have never had those signature performances where you're like, whoa, that was must see television. They don't. They they just haven't had that in a while. And that game probably earns them a prime time slot going on going forward in the season but to pan to move away from the dolphins i just want to ask you a question how are you feeling about your new york giants because i have to tell you dude i am surprised but pleasantly surprised because it, no matter how much i hate new york teams i i hate the jets way more than the giants i don't really care too much about the giants like i don't like them i don't dislike them they're just they're just, there. Me. they're just there in that gray area for me i love the fact that they beat the pads twice in the super bowl but I think it's good for the league that the Giants are starting off 2-0 and have some promise. And, and you know, if you start off 2-0, I'm sorry, but you have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, you have two weeks in a row to lose and have dud games, and you're still 500 right in the thick of things. No, I, I feel great. I, I mean, the, the, the most encouraging part to me for the Giants is that they went in two weeks in a row to start the season, and you had two very similar situations. You had mediocre quarterbacks with elite running backs. And they were able to shut down for the most part. I mean, McCaffrey did better than Derrick Henry did, but for the most part, shut down two elite running backs two weeks in a row, once on the road, once at home. So it's not like you can go, ah, well, it was a fluke while they did it in both places. So that, that gives me some confidence. Um, Daniel Jones, he hasn't been a turnover machine, not just picks. He throws his picks, but his main problem was always fumbles. He hasn't fumbled yet. Maybe once in Tennessee he fumbled, 
Uh, actually, yes, I think he fumbled once in Tennessee, but only once. And he's looked much better controlling the ball. Uh, I still don't like him as a franchise quarterback, but what I think he can be after watching these last two weeks is a more mobile Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if you look at his total yards and if you look at his completion percentage, that's pretty much who he is. He can move better than Jimmy G, though. So that gives me a little bit. Uh, nice. Daniel Jones has some wheels, man. He does. He, he does. Some, and I think that that's actually, I mean, look, I haven't watched many Giants game. Like, I, I, I've got red zone up, so obviously I see them when they score. But I, m- tell me if I'm wrong. Do they utilize that enough? What, like Daniel Jones, his legs, like like wheeling him out, make, you know, because I find that Daniel Jones and, and, and the Giants could maybe adopt some sort of like the Bills offense because, you know, you'll have like five straight Josh Allen passes and then they just randomly run him up the gut or like or like well, run him right. on on like a little little, you know counter sweep almost and it's like oh they just picked up five or six yards and but yeah now the defense has to respect that like do they do that enough oh yeah no i mean they have been the first two weeks i've seen a few times where daniel jones literally the whole lean's lane is cleared up the gut and he's able to just run right through and what interests me about your comparison with buffalo is coach dable the sick josh allen and daniel jones are both six foot five if you tell Daniel Jones to pack on a few pounds, and maybe that affects his agility a little bit as a runner, but that gives me confidence that maybe Dable's thinking, hey, this is another six foot five quarterback. Maybe he doesn't have the arm. Well, not maybe. He does not have the arm of Josh Allen, but maybe I can utilize a similar playbook around a similar body type. And that's giving me confidence. And I actually think the Giants can end up being three and zero after week three. They're facing Cooper Rush and the Cowboys at home. Giants are favored by two and a half. And and I sit on backyard bets yesterday with Tyler. I take that all day. Uh, Cooper Rush last week was a total fluke. Um, I feel like Cincinnati has played down to competition and, and and their losses, especially based on the teams that they play. Like they played the Steelers week one, and then the Steelers lost in week two. Then they play the Cowboys week two. They lost in week one. So I, I think it's more of a condemnation on the Bengals of 2022 than of the Cowboys being good on Sunday. Um, so I, I'm looking at the Giants to win that game. And if the Giants start off 3-0, nobody expected that. Nobody expected it. And, and I think that in this division especially, you could really be competing for something. And that's exciting as a fan. No, absolutely. And and I will say, I mean, look, I hate the Eagles. Shout out my friend, one of my best friends, Doug. They're a threat. Really? They are a threat. I hate on them all the time, but that's only because Doug hates on the Dolphins all the time. But I will say the Eagles looked incredible last night. They looked really good. And if they're looking good this year, with the fact that they drafted two first rounders last year, I think that they traded one of their first for, for AJ Brown because they had three, but anyway, two, two first rounders. Let's just say that. I mean, those guys are still adapting to the league. And I mean, if they turn out to be good players, watch out for the Eagles. The Eagles look really good. And finally, Devonta Smith came onto the scene last night and had a pretty good game. I think he was seven for, you know, 89, 88 yards or something like that. That's a, that's a good game. So the Eagles look really good, but if you're the, if you're the giants, I mean, there is, are they going to Texas or the, or the Cowboys coming to them? Cowboys coming to us. Cowboys coming to you guys. And is it, what is it? Monday night football? Yep. Monday Night Football, Cowboys going to you guys. I got to tell you, dude, 
that's a game that I probably take the Giants because they're going right. to the Meadowlands and I'm Cooper Rush is so much of that last game was the fact that it's his first game came in. It's in it's in Dallas, comfortable environment. Yep. The Bengals are spiraling. And when you when when you're playing a team in which you're an underdog, there is a certain mentality that you have, especially as a quarterback that was a backup, right? So not only are you already an underdog. But Vegas and the rest of the league believe that you're an underdog in this game. There's a there is a level of let's just call it effort football, right? Where the quarterback can he's like, there's no there's no win lose there's no lose lose for me here. I go out there and if I suck, well I'm the backup guy. But if I go out there and I ball out, then I look like a a savior and we're one and one now. Yep. And we shouldn't have beat this team, right? Now the Cowboys are going to go to the Giants. And no matter what delusional Cowboys fans want to say, they're going to say that we should go and win this game. It's the Giants. We've owned the Giants over the years. We should win this game. And then when there's actual expectations is when I find these backup quarterbacks to crumble, right? That first week when Geno Smith went out and beat the Broncos, there weren't expectations for Geno Smith to beat the Broncos. What happens this week? The 49ers spiraling, right? Trey Lance gets injured first half. Jimmy Garoppolo comes into the game. Elijah Mitchell on IR. They have the freaking third string running back that, you know, and next thing you know, Geno Smith, absolute dud. Now, obviously the 49ers are a way more complete team than the Giants, but it's a point stands. When a backup guy like these Geno Smiths and these Cooper Rushes have no expectations and they're not supposed to win a game. That's when these guys elevate their game. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, like they're so like they're actually they're better, I mean, than, hey. blah, blah, blah. They're better than these starters and that and this and that or whatever. Hey, in another case, too, I mean, it, a little bit different because it was backup against backup. But Joe Flacco went in there and beat Cleveland this week. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then next week, and then next week, when Joe, well, I don't even know who Joe, let's go see who, who are the Jets playing. This will be fun. Who are the Jets? Week three, Jets are playing the Bengals. Now that now it's over. Now they're now Jets. Now the Bengals are zero and two, right? And the Jets are one and one. The the Bengals' O line is atrocious. I'm not saying that the Jets are still expected to win the game. They're going to go in as underdogs. But this is like another one of those. Okay, well Joe Flacco has like you know an incredible comeback performance. He's he's a little bit of an outlier. He's won a damn Super Bowl, and he was a starter for that Super Bowl for the whole year. I mean, he's one of whether Ravens fans want to agree or not, one of the best quarterbacks in franchise history because of his accomplishments there. He then has a dud the following week. I never, I I just never like these backup quarterbacks back-to-back weeks because what makes you a starter in the NFL is constant is, is consistency at the position. The reason why you're a backup is because you're not consistent. You give me days where you're good in practice. And then you give me a couple days in a row where you are just completely abysmal. The reason why there's Dak Prescott's in the league and Kyler Murray's and these guys getting mega contracts is because no one's going to ever beat them out in practice. So I like the Giants next week and I like the Giants to move to three and And if the Giants move to three and and get that win against Dallas on Monday night, that fan base is going to be electric. Electric. How's, the, how's Thibodeau, by the way? How's Tips? Is he, is he living up to the hype or is he that injury in preseason sucked? Well, the thing to me is when you don't notice someone, it's a lot like hockey. When you don't notice a defender, sometimes it's a good thing where if he's settling in and doing his job and I'm not noticing that he's fucking up, good with me. That That's kind of where I'm at with him right now. Hasn't done anything necessarily spectacular yet, but I love the pick. I love the pick that they made, uh, and I'm rooting for him to get better as the season goes on. 
But now I want to shift into the AFC South because this might be one of the worst divisions in a, in a number of years in the NFL. Right now we're looking at a situation with a winless Colts team with a winless Titans team that's likely going to be, or I shouldn't say likely, the, the, the Titans are playing the Raiders on Sunday and the Raiders are favored by one on the road. I, I'm taking to the Raiders. They're also 0-2. So both teams have that same pressure to not go 0-3. And I honestly think that the Raiders, even though 0-3 is a death sentence, they almost have more pressure to get that win because if you're 0-3 in the AFC South, you still might have a chance to win the division. Uh, it, it is remarkable to see what's going on out there. The Houston Texans are 0-2. The Colts have a tie, so they're 0-0, or no, so they're 0-1 and 1. And then the Jags are leading the AFC South. And I gotta say this, this might be my bold pick of the pod. Do the Jags have a chance to win the AFC South? I'm I'm not I'm not there just yet. Okay, because I've seen these types of teams, especially with the second year quarterbacks, right? But I'm just gonna equate it to Justin Herbert's Chargers last year. A couple of really flashy performances. They were a threat to make the playoffs, ultimately crumbled, right? They lost to teams like the Texans last year, completely screwed up their chances to make the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags need to show me more, but as it is, they have a full game in hand on the rest of the division. They have a win. Nobody else in the division has a win, right? You got 0-1-1s and then 0-2s, okay? And particularly the rest of the teams, they don't look like threats. The Tennessee Titans, arguably second best player on the team. Taylor Luan just went down with an injury last night during, during Monday oh. Night Football. That sucks. Oh, and Derrick Henry looks like a shell of his of his former self. And again, they played the, the Bills in Buffalo last night. I don't, I, I'm not going to put too much stock into Derrick Henry starting off the season a little bit flat. I'm sure he ends up rushing for over, uh, you know, 1,200 yards this year somehow, has some insane games and wills the Titans to victory because he's that good, right? But none of these teams seems like threats to me. And the division's really there for the taking. And in my opinion, I hate to say it, but Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback in the division right now. 100%. Matt Ryan looks awful. There does not seem to be any chemistry in Indianapolis. I don't see much of anything. Jonathan Taylor, when he has a dud, the team doesn't move the ball. He well, I mean, can I say this, too, about the call? I mean, listen, Frank Reich's on the hot seat. I'm sorry. This is his third quarterback. They have not made the play. They made the playoffs once with Phillip Rivers, and they everyone knew they were out before they got in. They went and played the Chiefs. Then you have the year last year with Carson Wentz. You're basically in the playoffs and choke against the Jags. Now you go into this season with Matt Ryan. And this is how you open up your season. You tie Houston and then get shut out by Jacksonville. This is supposed to be an offensive coach getting a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. And a lot of people, you know, you kind of forget about this. If you look at the career comparisons between Stafford and Matt Ryan, they're essentially identical quarterbacks. So that's basically who you were getting. And Matt Ryan's already been to a Super Bowl. There is no excuse. And I get it. Michael Pittman's not there yesterday. You got to go win. You got to go win that game if, you, if you're legitimate as a football team. And, and I've said it for years on this show about the Colts. Every year I pick them to win that division. And now I'm done. This that Last week was it for me. I think Frank Reich's on the hot seat. There is no way that you can start the season like this. But when you look at Jacksonville, we were just talking about how Miami, 
uh, how all these teams that that they need to give their quarterback weapons. And Jacksonville did the same thing. A lot of people questioned they shipped off some receivers that were good for them. They were productive, long-term receivers. They shipped them off and then replaced them with receivers like Christian Kirk, where it's like, well, wait a second. Is Christian Kirk even better than what we had before? But that acquisition's probably been their best on offense. He had a 25-plus point week in fantasy last week. You have the entire running back drama with, well, ETN's back. You have James Robinson, who had a little bit of a scuffle with the front office at the end of last season, saying, well, are you really, after my season last year, going to put me as the number two running back uh, just because you drafted ETN? Well, with what Robinson's done the first two weeks of the season with three touchdowns, he's pretty much, he's got that backfield right now. ETN's going to have to be the one that's going to try to take over that starting role. So to me, if you've got two running backs, you've got Evan Ingram at tight end, you've got two or three wide receivers, what separates them in terms of offensive weaponry over the Dolphins, over some of these teams with big weapons? Now, Christian Kirk is nowhere in comparison to Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, nowhere close. But as a collection, that receiving core for Jacksonville, I really like with Trevor Lawrence as a talent himself and in that division as a total piece, they could actually end up winning as a nine and eight or even an under 500 team. I'm not even trying to claim that the Jags are going to be this 10, 11 win football team. They can make it as a seven, eight win team possibly. No, absolutely. I think, I think in this division that if you can get to nine wins, that gets you in this, this, this year is what it's really looking like. And that tie against the Texans and the Colts is really going to come down at the end of the year as something that everybody's looking at and saying, Oh damn, like that is a really big game for the division. I don't think the Texans are going to be there at the end of the year competing. I think that they'll be in the running for the CJ Strouds and Bryce Youngs of the of the draft. And that's exactly where they want to be. If I'm the Texans, I love what I'm seeing from Lovey Smith. The team has heart. The team has good defense. The team plays physical football. And that's what you want to see. Right. And then really the team, the team, in my opinion, where you're like, okay, this is really bad is the Colts because at some point you need to reevaluate. Should we just suck and stop with the damn journey? Like with these right. veteran quarterbacks coming in, should we stop with the Wences, the Matt Ryans and the Brissettes and the rivers and just get a freaking quarterback in the draft? Should we just stop? And that's where I think the Colts are in the worst position right now because the Titans drafted Malik Willis and Malik Willis has a little bit of that it factor. I kind of saw it last night. I know it was garbage time, but I saw that he he has a different dimension of his game that Tannehill is not going to have. Right. Right? And I think the, the Titans have a Henry a much more complete team. They'll retool in the offseason and be right back in the division. But anyway, I'll finish my thoughts on this. The Colts are in massive trouble. They need to figure it out real quick. Fire Frank Reich and tank the season. Continue with Frank Reich and you're just going to be at the 12th or 13th pick in the draft and nobody wants to be there. All right, so that was our AFC South roundup. Now let's move out uh, to the AFC West and a little NFC West. We'll kind of mash them up and then a little tiny uh, section about college football and our takes on, on the last few weeks out there. Uh, so in the West, the first thing that jumps to mind, not all the good teams, but the teams that have not done what we thought they would, the Denver Broncos, uh, very disappointing, one and one and Russell Wilson's been a guy that I have always been, and everyone has always loved. But the first two weeks, he's looked slow. Uh, he doesn't look like he has the same range with his arm that he used to have. He doesn't have the same zip on the ball. He can't move like he used to. Uh, he's almost looking, and the comparison that I thought of this week 
was he might be hitting the, and this is a very early time to say this, this needs to play out over the full season, over more than two weeks and acclimating to an offense. But is he hitting the Drew Brees stage of his career where there was a very sudden time in Drew Brees' career where he went from Mr. Hail Mary scoring 45 points a game in New Orleans. That's what the Saints always were, the big offense team, until all of a sudden one year, Drew Brees walks in and he's a system quarterback, a dip and dunk guy. Russell Wilson's in his mid-30s. That happened to Brees a little bit later, about you know probably two or three years ahead of where Wilson is now. But that's the first thought that jumped into my head. What if Wilson can't run like he used to? What if he can't throw those deep balls? Because I saw a lot of vertical routes against the Texans that the ball looked a little loopy. It, it didn't have that zip. He wasn't hitting all of his passes. Uh, it, it doesn't look the same. And look, if he turns into Drew Brees in that stage of his career, that's that's not a problem. But the, the Broncos are expecting Russell Wilson of old. I don't know if that's what they're going to get. I will chalk this up to this isn't this isn't solely a Russ issue. Has he fully delivered on his contract? No, it this is two games. You're not going to fully deliver in two games, but you can show glimpses of, hey, this is why they got me. This is why they traded for me. It hasn't been shown yet. But there's this isn't a Russ issue solely, right? This is, in my opinion, this is a head coach quarterback, head coach rest of the team dysfunction. Right. There is a ton of confusion on the field. Timeouts not using not being used properly. There are times when they should be going forward on fourth down, but are settling for field goals. And there are times they should be throwing the ball, but they're running it and times that they should be running it and they're throwing the ball. Everything is out of whack in the, in Denver. And I don't know what maybe they're doing some crazy sabermetrics and like analytics or whatever. And they're picking to do different things in situations. I don't know what it is, but they need to go back to common sense football because that's not what's going on in Denver. There's no common sense. Every time I watch the Broncos, I'm like, what in the hell are they doing? Hackett is literally on the hot seat already, even though they're one and one. I find Hack- I mean, they're not going to move on from Hackett. But in my opinion, with the fan base, at the very least, Hackett's on the hot seat. Because Absolutely. it's two straight games where he's made boneheaded head coaching decisions, and it's all for the whole world to see. This isn't like the freaking 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s when you can't watch the, the every game at once. Everybody's watching him. Yeah. Everyone's no, watching him screw up. The biggest thing about your point about, about them not knowing what they're doing right now, I don't think they do. that. They don't know who their number one target is. Is it Judy or Sutton? They don't. They it doesn't have to be Sutton now. I mean, it has to Tim be Patrick Sutton. went down before the season, and now Judy just got injured. Yeah, and, and then they're not using the top. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name. They're not using him at all. I mean, his he had a terrible. Oh, Guabajeman. There we go. We'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I picked them up in fantasy. I'm like, I started them like they're facing Houston. This is. I'll get my ten points out of my tight end. I think he got like one. So, uh, yeah, thank you to Okanaba Babuam. Uh, so, yeah, Denver, that's them. Now the Raiders, another team, 0-2. We mentioned a little bit earlier. They're going to go on the road this week to face Titan, the Titans, and they're favored by one. I think they will win that game and go to 1-2, and two, although it will be heavily contested. But this is another team. You get the head coach. You get Devontae Adams. You still have Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller's back healthy. Josh Jacobs is healthy. There should theoretically be nothing wrong. But the thing is that the the Raiders got screwed with their schedule opening up against the Chargers and the Cardinals. Uh, But one thing that, but yeah, so opening up against those two teams is tough. And then to combine it with Tennessee, 
So I, I can't really blame them. And I don't know if this is a summation of the Raiders as much as it is uh, as the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to talk about Raiders Broncos, I would just say that. The first game. And the second game for the Raiders. I would I would actually just say that the Raiders played harder teams than the Broncos. Yes. The Broncos played the Seahawks and the I would say that the the Broncos have looked worse than the Raiders, but the problem with the Raiders is the same problem that they have had for years. Who is Derek Carr? What is Derek Carr? Is he a top 10 guy? Is he is he just top 15? But he's getting paid more money than just a top 15 guy. And the problem is, is it's two straight games that you got into the end of the game and you need your quarterback to pull something out of his bag and he's nowhere to be found, even with the weapons around him. And I'm sorry, but Carr got outplayed by Herbert. Carr got outplayed by Kyler Murray. The defense did a freaking awesome job against Kyler Murray through three and a half quarters. But what happens? offense for the Raiders stall they can't kick a field goal they can't get down there and the Cardinals whose defense is in my opinion not very good up against Carr at the end of the game and gets the ball back for Kyler and Kyler goes and does what Kyler Murray does best he scores the damn ball at all at all costs runs around gets in the end zone and then Carr can't do anything and the Raiders the Cardinals come back for a come behind win and and again where 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 is Carr in all this? Where do you rank Carr? I don't think Carr is all that great. I don't. And uh, and I'm sorry, but for the Raiders to win in this league and especially in that division, he's gonna need to step up. And I'm sorry. I mean, like the season's not over. Like they could win three in a row now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders have a really good roster, and then they end up three and two start the year. Like that's not bad. But again, you lost to the Cardinals in overtime, you needed your quarterback to step up. You lost to the Chargers at the end of the game and you needed your quarterback to step up. You didn't get any of those things. Yeah. And, Where, and, so who is Carr? Is yeah. he the worst quarterback in the division? Probably. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with the way Russell Wilson's played, he's still the worst quarterback in the division. Um, and, and arguably, arguably. the best weapons. Yeah. No, that's he's a great better point. weapons than Mahomes. Yeah. He, he, that's for sure. I mean, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Waller, just right there. It's, and then, it's I mean, he's got no slouches at running back. You got Josh Jacobs. I mean, Kenyon Drake is with them too. Like, yeah. And, and the media doesn't go after Carr at all. I mean, there's, of course they don't go after Carr because it's, it's not fun. It's not going after Carr is not as fun as going after two well, of the media. The fan base does it for them, though. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders are same hole. It's same old, same old. It's every year with the Raiders is the same thing. It's can he put us over the top, and he doesn't. I mean, I I am not shocked that the Raiders are zero two. I mean, the schedule at the beginning of the season, you could say that they could go two and zero. Would you be surprised? No. If they went zero two, you would you wouldn't be surprised either because those are two good teams, and Derek Carr is the lesser quarterback in both of those matchups. You would prefer Herbert on your team, and you would prefer Kyler Murray on your team, and when your QB is going up against a better QB, you can always lose no matter what. And that is what happened. That is exactly what happened. And I'm sorry, but there's a lot of questions that need to be asked of Derek Carr. And there's a lot of questions that need to be asked of the Raiders because an 0-2 start in a league where, or in a division where every out-of-division out of game matters 
because you need to be almost perfect in those games because you play the Chargers twice, you play the Broncos twice, and you play the Chiefs twice. Right, and you already lost to the Chargers. You already lost to the Chargers. And, I mean, as it's looking now, I mean, Mahomes is going to go nuts on the Raiders. And as it's looking now, I mean, that Broncos-Raiders game is probably going to be a bloodbath of just, you know, running the ball defensive. And Russ is a better quarterback than Carr. So, I'm thinking the Raiders go like eight and nine and wow. miss the playoffs at this point. You started wow. 0 2. You started 0 2. Yeah. It's true, though, because we said it. I mean, no teams have made the playoffs starting 0 2, even since the expanded extra team has been added since 2020 in the playoffs. So that it's it's a big uh, it's a big thing. And the Bengals, too, like they're starting 0 2. It would be crazy if they went to the Super Bowl and then don't make the postseason. Um, so we'll, we'll see if that trend plays out for a third consecutive year. But let's shift in very quickly here. We'll do a quick round off uh, of college football. And let's just, uh, we got to do it. FAU really struggled bunny against the uh, UCF Knights. Just, you know, we, we got to talk about it. It was always something that we've, we've, uh, we used to lead off with the pot about FAU football when it was the heyday, Lane Kiffin winning conference championships. And it's just gone downhill since there. That game, I mean, listen, I, I announced their games. Uh, I there there should I should not be the one that even has the thought of leaving that stadium. They were down two points at halftime. I looked at my friend Tyler, who I do backyard bets with, and I said, I, I don't think they're winning this game. We could just leave right. We had a party to go to. I said, we could just leave right now. FA didn't score another point. We let it was 16 to 14. They lost 40 to 14. You could just tell in the feel of the stadium. The only way that they were scoring points was based off field position. They weren't putting together any drives. So it's like, well, I know UCF's going to prevail, even if it's by a touchdown. And, and that's just the feel I have with FAU right now, where they're just not there. You see, and you tweeted it out, which this was the best point. Other schools are beating big schools or competing with them. We to are the final whistle to the final. And we are not look at USF and Gainesville on the road with nothing going for them. So it's crunch time and, and we've talked about it for years, but, and I don't even want to be mean towards Willie Taggart or, or act like I've had this vendetta, but I never liked the hire from day one. And, and it, it now I liked it from the sense that his name is Willie Taggart and that he'll get you recruiting. And that F, as FAU, if we're really going to be logical about it and it's unfortunate to be logical about it, but if you're FAU, that might be best case scenario, a name hire, your FAU at the end of the day. So um, that's how I look at it, and and I don't see any way out of it. Do they almost have to keep Taggart? Because what's the alternative? Who are you going to get? And, and so I look at them going in the AAC. What are they going into the AAC for? Lane Kiffin. If they didn't have Lane Kiffin, they would not be in the AAC, and that's sad to me. Yeah, I mean, they're in a big media market, but look, Willie Taggart's delivered on half of the bargain. Half the bargain has been con like con con continuing to get good recruits at um, FAU. They are. He's winning a lot of recruiting battles against other high-end G G5 schools. He's recruiting in his backyard. He's recruiting elsewhere, and I have to applaud it. But here's the thing. You get these guys on campus, and if you don't coach them up, then what's the – It's my, my thing is it's like it's one thing if you put, a, if you put the players in a good position to play. And then they don't go out and perform. Okay, that's one thing. But as a, as a as fans and as 
graduates of Florida Atlantic, you and I watch the games, right? We watch all the games. We used to go to all the games, right? Sorry. But Willie Taggart's teams are always ready to play in the first half. Then what happens is he goes into halftime and the third quarter. I have never seen a worse third quarter program in my life. This is three years in a row now. Okay. So the, the COVID year, I will give him some of a pass because it's the COVID year and th- this is a wash of a year. Let's go with last year. So let's say two years in a row. Last year, full off season, full full year with his team, full full full, you know, he familiar faces. What happens? Bad in the third quarter. Okay. Lose games in the second half. Lose games you shouldn't. Lose games where you're a heavy favorite. Not good. Furthermore, what's going on this year? You go to Ohio. Your quarterback throws for five touchdowns and like 400 freaking yards, and you still lose. That tells me you're putting your team in it. You're just, you're, you can't coach. You can't, you cannot coach properly if you're going to freaking Ohio in the MAC and you're losing a game in which you're a favorite by five points, and your quarterback throws for five touchdowns. Now UCF comes to town, okay? You are never going to get a crowd like that again. Never. No. That crowd, that student that student section was packed. It was full. It was completely full. And the best part is, is the UCF didn't even bring their damn band. And the band was going to sit was going to sit right in that section, right next to the students. And that, that would have even looked even more filled because UCF decided not to bring their band. Okay, UCF Springs of Cheerleaders, the the damn the damn uh, uh, mascot. Okay, when does a team ever bring their mascot and cheerleaders to to our games? Never, ever. Okay, the place is packed, and you start off the game with an incredible drive and go up seven nothing. Then you go up fourteen to seven, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, damn, they're ready to freaking play this. This might be the day that they have a signature win. And you had a freaking crowd. You had a day. like that place was almost a sellout. At the, like, it might have been a sellout on paper, but I think it looked and felt like a sellout. I mean, that place was loud, it, and and the CBS Sports were literally milking the atmosphere on TV. You you had these guys like they're like this is an incredible environment at FAU Stadium. This is what college football is about. The fans lived up to the hype, and the team has lived up to the hype so far. We're in for a great game. 16 to 14 going to halftime. You have them where you want them. You're running the football well. You feel like you could move the ball. What happens? Third quarter comes around zero yards in the third quarter. And then you had 18 yards in total in the the second half. Horrible coaching. I have no issue with saying it. It is really bad. The changes are going to need to be made at some point. I'm unfortunately going to the Purdue FAU game this weekend (laughs) in freaking West Lafayette. Okay. This team. This program so desperately needed a signature home win. Something that people can talk about. I now go to the University of Michigan. I have I have adopted the Wolverine culture. I have become a big fan as being a student here and walking around. There is nothing that people talk about more here than last year's upset win against Ohio State. Obviously, it's called every year as the game. That's all they talk about. Students in my class go to a diner, go to a bar. That's all they talk about. Okay, obviously... Michigan beating Ohio State is on a much grander scale than FAU beating UCF, but give something the students can be prideful of. How many kids in the state of Florida choose UCF over FAU? Or kids get into FAU and go there instead of UCF, whatever it may be. But all these other schools like UF, UCF, FSU, they dog on FAU kids, right? Because they're like, your football team's always going to blow. You're never going to beat us. And then you needed that win. Give the students something to be prideful of. Give them a reason to show up the following week. You didn't. 
you didn't and you time and time again didn't that's the issue with this program they're never ready for the big one ever ever ready for the big one last year marshall comes to town huge game win Worst that and you're probably ever. going to the conference usa championship horrible couldn't that was you the not, game you did not wake up needed the win against middle tennessee state at home last year just to make a bowl game you didn't you did not wake up and you lost I'm sorry, but Willie Taggart's teams are not ever ready for the big one. I don't care if you can kill an F- FCS team. I don't care if you kill Charlotte in the first week of the season. If you cannot coach the big one, I want you gone. I'm sorry. This program is hanging by a freaking thread with the fan base. I'm sorry. It, it is. is. And, I'm, and I'm telling you, man. The AAC is around the corner, and sure, I hear from everyone. It's going to help with attendance. It's going to help with attendance. Big, bigger matchups, blah, blah, blah. Who cares if you're getting blown out? Yep. Who cares? Nobody's going to be there by the second half. It's going to look like shit on TV, and instead of it looking like shit on ESPN+, Plus, it's going to look like shit on Friday night on ESPN2. That's going to look even worse. It's going to be even worse indictment. On, in, in, like, It's just... Saturday night summed up exactly what's wrong with the FAU football program. Good recruits, good good transfer portal ta- talent, hype, 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 never live up to it, ever. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and, and it's sad because I, we were looking forward to this AAC stuff, and now they're really going to have to – I don't even know. Like, that's the thing. I don't even know what they can do to be successful in the AAC other than just going through the process. I mean, I, I'm just worried now that they're going to turn into a USF of the AAC where it's just – they're the joke of the AAC. That's what USF, uh, USF's been for since I've started watching college football. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, they had a couple. I mean, look, USF has had some signature years, and at, at one point they were ranked number two or number three in the country. Okay, yeah, that, it, even though that it was over a decade ago, that stuff stays with your program. That is okay? true. You, you you were ranked that high. You you had upset wins. You have stuff. You you have traditions and you have history that people can draw upon. FAU does not have that. They do they do not have that. And again. If Willie goes to Purdue this week and somehow pulls out a win out of his bag on the road, Big Ten school, that's a big one. That's one where you're like, oh, okay, that's huge. And then at this point, you're, you know, you only have two win, two losses. And, you know, and if you can win out the rest of the year and go 10 and two and with a win against Purdue, be my guest. Be my guest. Be my guest. Stay here. Get us ready to go to the AAC. But again, you had a ton of recruits in town for that UCF FAU game. Recruits on both sides of the ball. UCF guys that are probably going to be committing there or talking to coach. You had guys that were on the brink of committing to FAU, and you you gave us a dud. You gave everybody a dud. Willie, I'm sorry, but... (laughs) Don't know how serious, you know, the, you know anything really is over there maybe maybe they're like you know we're gonna give willie you know more time to to bring us into the aac i don't know but if he gets blown out against purdue and this come this turns out to be a six and six seven and five year i'm sorry but you got to make a decision are we staying are we staying with willie going in the aac or we're going to switch this up because if this is how it's going to be in conference usa and this is how it's going to be now we're going to get murdered in the aac simple as that i'm with you 100 percent. and if you look at the rest of college football Top rankings. Uh, we're not going to go into it. I'll just read it out. Top four right now, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, your Michigan Wolverines. Then you got Clemson on the outside looking in. Then you, uh, then Oklahoma, USC, Kentucky, Oklahoma State, and Arkansas. They round out the top 10. And then undefeated Tennessee and NC State are also at 11 and 12. Penn State undefeated at number 14. Ole Miss undefeated at number 16. Then you got Washington. So there's, there's still undefeated teams out there. Um, 
I'm shocked though. Texas is that low. Um, I actually think that they could make a play for the big 12 this year uh, after the way that they played against Bama, but same old, same old with the college football playoffs. It's going to be this way until we get the expanded playoffs. And I guess last thought here, CJ, because I know you got to get out of here, but just quick thoughts on the college football expansion because we never got to that. I love it. Um, at first, I didn't. Now I do. Uh, but but my, my personal opinion on the college football expansion is that I want the conferences to be realigned first um, before this starts because if we start this and the first year we have a Pac-12 and then the Pac-12 is just dissolved, uh, well, what's the format then? Uh, so that that needs to be solved before we start this. But what's your thought on that expansion that we can get out of here? Um, I like it a lot. I think it's really good for college football. You're going to see different teams. Um, and that's what you want. I mean, you're going to have a Bama that plays a 12 seed. Uh, and you're going to have a or a Georgia or a Bama that plays an 11 seed or whatever it ends up being. This is good for college football. This is going to show different teams can can, you know, can make it to the the big the big stage and get to a playoff, if you will. A real college football postseason. And this is going to help. This is going to help out a ton in recruiting, too. You're going to see it, there's going to be a, a level of parity in college sports because different like high-end recruits are going to say, I don't have to only go to Georgia. I don't have to only go to Bama. And with the NIL. go to Ohio State. Heck, I don't have to only go to freaking Michigan or, or, or Clemson because I know that I can go to Wisconsin. I can go to whatever, you know, like for this, for, for instance, NC state, I can go to Kentucky. I can go to wake forest. And if they're, you know, if the, if the program's looking solid, they can be in the top 12 at the end of the year. And I can be on a big stage playing on primetime ABC or, or ESPN and playing a Bama, playing a Georgia, you know, this is big for college football. It's going to spread out recruits more. Uh, you're not going to see them cling on, you know, five stars cling on to the same freaking couple programs. And I feel like, you know, maybe they, maybe they're like, Hey, I can, you know, I'll take my talents and go to, I just keep saying Wisconsin because they're a team that's always there that that's right there, but team, you know, Kentucky's and, and, Heck, Florida State's right now. Like, yes. you know, and, and you're going to see these recruits go elsewhere because it's like, okay, well, I could, I, there's a postseason for me. There's an end there, you know, I'm going to be on that big stage. And I think it's really good for college football. And uh, look, obviously, college football is always still going to be top heavy with the talent. You're still going to have three or four teams every year that are clear head and shoulders above the rest. But hey, put them up against a test, not once, but twice leading in to that final four. So that's all I got to say. All righty. So that will do it for this week of the pod. We got Strictly Baseball coming later this week. Strictly Bets, excuse me, Backyard Bets is already up. And uh, we'll be back with Strictly Hockey next week, NHL preseason starting this weekend. And we'll do a season preview next week with Adam as well. Thanks for coming on, CJ. You can check us out on Twitter at Strictly Sports P, on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. For CJ, I'm Jacob, and we'll see you next time. Oh, and also go check out One Pod to Rule Them All. We just uploaded our new podcast breaking down episode four. Uh, not really breaking down, ranting about it. Uh, so you can go check that out. Links in the description below. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.